630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad. Right, good to have you tuning in tonight. Five minutes after seven, NHL Players Association and the Board of Governors will now vote on the tentative agreement for phases three and four of the return to play protocol. That's training camp and competition, respectively, and also voting to extend the collective bargaining agreement until 2026. So that would be good news. Some more labor peace in the National Hockey League. 780-496-0063 is the open line. Goalie Doc has given me a ring here during the news. Goalie Doc, it's good to hear from you again. You often have some sort of interesting angle or interesting stats, so I'm very curious to yeah. see where you're going tonight. Well, I'm going to stay away from the stats, but uh, um, I'm a family physician during the day, and um, a couple things about, obviously there's the safety issue, but the uh, sports is really good for the mental health uh, and uh, I think it's uh, with, with the uh, issue that of safety of the players and that, I think that's going to be uh, on the paramount uh, of everybody. Uh, one other thing is, is that if you were finishing, if you're playing hockey and you've played over the years, you really want to finish off your season, especially the way the Oilers finished it off. So that was one thing. The other thing is, this may be a strange comment, but the people who play in the States are going to probably be safer coming to Canada during their time when they're in the bubble than if they stayed there during the summer. And I know that one caller called in and was worried about the effects of the illness on the uh, different athletes. But, I mean, that can happen from day to day. I see that every day where you have no choice if something happens. But I'm just thinking nobody thought about the fact that some of these uh, uh, people who play in America are coming to play Canada, and I think they'll be safer, actually, here. Uh, i never seen that brought up. It's kind of a strange comment, but thanks. Reed. Well, I, 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 yeah, I think you're right. I think that's a good way. Did you hear the, the clip from Sean Doolittle from the Washington Nationals I played before the news? I mean, yeah, all, yeah, I heard. Yeah, yeah. But he's talking about the United States, right? Where but, And look, in Canada, I, I'm not, I don't want to downplay things that could happen or, yeah. or that could happen, but clearly yeah. the numbers are quite a bit different yeah. here than in the States. But, as long as, like in Canada, I think we're better most of the time about, you know, about how we deal with this. I mean, I mean, there's people who are kind of taking it, they're maybe laxing up a little bit on the social distancing and stuff like that. But people, in, uh, I, at least in Edmonton, I seem have been pretty, pretty good about it. Um, uh, it's it's really trying, you know, on everybody with this COVID nineteen, and I, I get it. But again, we also, I guess, you know, sports is a, a distraction. Um, and again, um, again, sometimes you have to carry on with life, and you have to weigh the risks of uh, of doing things. And if you do things properly, then, uh, like I think we've done in Edmonton, I think we have the chance to do that. But I, I think I'm, I think the players are probably going to be safer here than they are in the states it might be better for them in the summertime 
uh, had to be playing here rather than being uh, off on being in different places in the states. But anyways, that's just my comment. Thanks a lot. Well, I, I'd like. To, do, do you have a couple minutes? Because I, I, I well, we've talked several sure. times, but I, I you've, I've never knew obviously that you were a, a physician. So I think your yeah. information is your opinion yeah. is is more valuable than yeah. articles uh, I, I try to compile just just from reading. Yeah. Like, are, yeah. is this does the whole bubble concept? that the NHL and the NBA, I think we should throw them in there too, because baseball is doing something totally different. Like, are are you, as a physician, you, you sound pretty comfortable with what they can do here in Edmonton and Toronto and maybe the NBA can do in Florida? Because, because when you think about it, how much contact are they going to have with the uh, the general public, really, with the, when they're within the bubble? If they're flowing in on a special jet, they go to the airport, they're taken to the, uh, to the hotel... Uh, they go play hockey. How much? It's not like they're going to be out um, at the bars or out at other other venues, really. And the the only thing where it could break down is if, um, but is if somebody is sick and passes it on to uh, some of the workers that are working with them at the hotels and stuff. But again, it's. I was listening to what you were saying about the plan on how uh, they were going to have. Um, people uh you know serve themselves and so on so i i think uh i think it's pretty safe though i think have you and i realize maybe there's some stuff you can't reveal but you haven't given us your real name like have you dealt personally with a lot of covid patients mainly a lot of phone calls about people worried about about that lots of people going for testing and most of them were were negative um i had one person i was talking to today we have to watch about who we're bringing into the office because if they have any symptoms of COVID-19, we we don't bring them in, even though it's stuff that we normally would have seen in the office, like cops and stuff like that. But these individuals are, this person was going to come in about uh, an injury to their, their knee or whatever. And uh, I, I was just checking at the end of my conversation with them, oh, I'm on quarantine because two people were... Uh, one was asymptomatic, another one test positive for it. So it's still out there, so you have to be careful. But, um, in, you know, the numbers are pretty low in Edmonton, and I think for players, it's uh, unless they bring it with them to, uh, you know, from, from where they're coming from in the States, I don't, they're not going to get it here. And I don't think, this, unlikely they're going to get it here with our numbers yeah. being really low. Yeah, and I assume it's... And I assume, as a physician, you're very comfortable with masks and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, we're yeah. Well, it gets to you. We have to wear them all the time and uh, around each other in the offices uh, because a lot of times we can't keep that distance. We take them off when we're uh, away from the patients or away from somebody if we're into our back of our clinic where we're working on something. But otherwise, we're wearing the masks all the time. And it, uh, it, it. I know it's bothering some physicians about having to wear them, but that's the way it has to go with yeah so do, do you because i've had a couple people say to me read if an nhl player got covid it shouldn't be a big deal because they're all young healthy athletes is that is that fair is that too general i i, I don't the problem is that you can't say that because the uh this virus is really weird it attacks people sometimes funny in terms of when it causes there's some young people that get really sick from it we don't know it depends on people's immune system sometimes they mount a weird immune response where it attacks their their body so i i think i don't think you can say you're less likely to be get sick from this when you're younger 
maybe because your immune system is normally better. But again, I, I think you have to be careful with just blank, you know, saying that uh, that people are, um, you know, you're younger. And, and this is the problem when people are younger, they, they you know, just, you can remember when we're, we're younger, we feel like we're invincible. But you can't take that point because there's lots of sick people who end up, you know, some younger people who ended up in ICU with, with this. So I think you have to be really careful about when you say that. And I think it's not a good idea to say that to younger people because then they, they uh, hear this and they think, well, no, I don't have to social distance. I don't have to do this. And most younger people are good and they realize that they're, they're trying to protect their, their grandparents or their other elderly people who are, who are getting sick with this. So, yeah. Goalie Doc, I always enjoy your calls, and and this was a very uh, unexpected topic. Because and thanks for revealing that you're a, yeah. a physician and you have a, a very strong perspective on this. So thanks for that. That's some really good clarity, really good opinion, and uh, I think we're going to be talking hockey pretty soon. So that's good, buddy. We'll hear from you then. Okay, thanks, Reed. Okay, take care. That is Goalie Doc chiming in tonight seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. So he's you know he thinks that the whole bubble situation in Edmonton and Toronto can work pretty well. And I outlined it earlier. There's really not going to be any face-to-face in-person contact between the 52 people from each team allowed into the bubble and outside personnel. You know, yes, there will be people preparing meals, preparing drinks, cleaning hotel rooms and things like that. But, but they'll, you know, the hotels will be cleaned when the players are out. Food will be buffet style brought and then, you know, the serving staff won't be around. Players will take all their dirty dishes and utensils and put them in a common area so it's not being collected with the staff, you know, inside that six-feet radius. So the NHL is trying to, to limit all this kind of stuff. And I thought Goalie Doc made a good point. The, um, the I mean, most of the well, the American players will be coming to environments that should be a lot safer COVID-wise than uh, where they're leaving. Oh, well, Euler text again asking about the families. Yeah, I'll touch on that earlier just, just to reiterate. The families are allowed into the bubble when it gets down to the conference finals, which, as we're hearing, should be in Edmonton. So no families for the qualifying round or rounds one and two. Then we're, once we're down to the final four in Edmonton, the conference finals, the families can come for the for the last two rounds of the playoffs. That's uh, what the NHL has decided there. 780-496-0063 to call or text. Really good call from Goalie Doc. We're going to take a quick timeout on Inside Sports. <laughs> Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins is brought to you by Cam LLP Injury Lawyers, representing injured people in Edmonton and across Alberta since 1962. If you would like to see something unusual, and why wouldn't you, give the name Ho Sung Choi a Google. H O S U N G C H O I. Maybe you've seen this already. I found a, a really good video of it on a Instagram account called Golf Tank. Ho Sung Choi is a professional golfer on the Korean tour. And he's known for having quite an unusual swing. Off the tee, he tees the ball extremely high and he down swings into the ground. And then his club kind of catapults up off the ground and spews up some dirt, and that's how he hits the ball. And looking at his swing, it it also looks like he kind of hops, hops around at the end of the swing, like he almost elevates a little bit as he's following through to hit the ball. Well, recently at a tournament, he 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 missed the ball 
I mean, he did what you or I would would probably do a couple times a year. I mean, not he didn't just top the ball or or duff it or or anything like that. He totally missed the ball. I mean, this would be like you or me swinging a miss, and we have a laugh with our buddies, and we pretend that oh no, I actually hit it so far we can't see where it's going. He well, maybe maybe I, I, I shouldn't say he totally missed the ball because after he after he kind of followed through and he was doing a little pirouette, the golf ball almost mocking him. Well, not almost mocking him, absolutely mocking him. But let's face it, guys and gals, we we know golf equipment does this to us. We know golf balls openly mock us. Oh, I could have bounced left onto the green, but I rolled into the bunker on the right. I wasn't going to hit that tree branch, but I did. I took 70 yards off your shot. We know they do that. So Ho Sung Choi's ball, after he's pretty much missed it, just basically falls forward off the tee. Just drops straight down. Doesn't spin forward, doesn't bounce, doesn't dribble. He swings over top of it, and then as he's bringing his club up around his back to finish his swing, the ball just drops off the tee and just sits there mocking him. It's And this guy is a, is, is a pro golfer. So anyway, uh, I got a little bit of a laugh out of that. 780-496-0063 is the number to call or text. Ho Sung Choi, give, give, give it a Google. I, I, again, the Instagram account is Golf Tank, and uh, you'll see this guy just completely missing the golf ball. One of the best... You know, on the Korean tour. Kent in the dozer says the dirt he dug up swing knocked his ball off the tee. Yeah, probably Kent. That's that's a good point. But don't you think like Kent, you saw it. Don't you think the the ball must have been mocking him, Kent? Like Kent, I'm assuming you've been there if you've seen this video and you're texting me about it. You've had those shots where the golf ball openly shows a mocking personality towards you as a player. That's what, and Kent, I got to tell you, I, like that, I guess that's his normal swing, like that, that he catapults the club off the ground and hits like that. I don't know a lot about that type of swing. I don't, I don't know a lot about how, how a conventional golf swing should work, obviously, but, but, but I do, I do keep working on it. Thanks for the text tonight. Okay. National Hockey League, uh, looking at a return here, they got to vote. The players and the owners or the players and the board of governors have to vote on the tentative agreement. That'll probably take a few days. We've been, this has been going on for a while, waiting for the official, official announcement. We're getting a little bit closer. The 2026 world cup, which will be co-hosted by Canada, Mexico, and the United States. Uh, Edmonton, Montreal, and Toronto are the lone Canadian city to be candidates to host games. This is the expanded tournament for the 2026 World Cup. 48 teams, 80 games, 17 American cities have put forward to host. They want to have 10 games in Canada, 10 in Mexico, and 60 in the States. So there could be the three Canadian host cities, maybe all Edmonton, Montreal, and Toronto will get games. As we'll check in with our buddy Gene Principe from Sportsnet. Gene, we're, we're not quite sure how we're going to do it, but today we're that extra little step closer towards once again, well, actually doing our jobs. 
<laughs> or at least how we're used to. Well, and I better get better at answering the phone. I've missed two radio interviews today, almost 12 hours apart. I had a 6.30 a.m. I'm usually up at around 6, and I missed it because I had my phone off, and then I missed yours because I had my ringer down. So I apologize. I'll try and be, I'll try and be better. Uh, i got to say one quick thing about the soccer. First of all, 06, I was supposed to go to the World Cup. And then the Oilers made all the way to the Stanley Cup. And long story is I, I, I covered the Stanley Cup, missed the World Cup, and missed Italy winning. So here we are in 2026. That's 20 years later. The World Cup is at my doorstep. So, A, I got to get to games in Edmonton matches with the idea that Edmonton will host. And then I got to see where Italy is so I can get some matches with Italy. But, and the point is this, uh, we were doing favorite sort of Canadian sports moments and many people of our ilk might pick, well, 72, you're a bit young for that, Rita, you know, in regards to having watched it alive. Uh, some people will pick the golden goal, but June 5th, I believe, in 94, Eddie Berdusco scored for Canada as they were taking on Brazil, Romario, Bobeto, uh, and they tied them 1-1 at Commonwealth, and Brazil would go on to win the World Cup in 94. For me, that was like, there were like just under 52,000 fans. Just the idea of that happening again, oh, oh, just incredible. Anyway, so hockey, yes, time to get back to work. Yeah, well, right, and, and I, 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 somebody texted earlier, is 6.30 Chad broadcasting games? We are broadcasting Oilers games. Just because games are in Edmonton doesn't mean we just get to broadcast all those. Right. Now, in the, in, usually we have brought you the conference final and the Stanley Cup final. So if the Oilers are in those, then, of course, we bring it anyway. But, yeah, broadcast as normal. And, and I, I assume, I don't know if you guys are going to be doing the, the triple headers in every city, but Sportsnet, Obviously, I mean, it doesn't take away the rights because there was a pandemic. You guys are the uh, the playoff TV channel in, in Canada. Yeah, that's the way to work. I mean, TSN does have some, some regional uh, access, so it'll depend on what is considered, like, usually playoffs are all national. And I remember when we uh, were the regional rights holders, and we still are, but the playoffs would come, and it would be like hitting a brick wall. You've covered all these games. You've hosted. You've gone to the playoffs, and then, boom, you don't do any more games other than, you know, covering them from a news standpoint. So we will have everything on. I mean, we got 74 channels, or, you know, <laughs> we're going to have everything. And, you know, it's funny. I was like, well, how are they going to show all this? And someone said, you know, we have, like, five channels. I'm like, oh, right, right, right. And that's the way it'll be, right? I'm sure Connor uh, and Leon will be on the main network. Um, then there's Hockey Night in Canada, so there's that. There's Sportsnet, there's Sportsnet 360. Then you've got regional. So, you know, you won't miss the games. You're going to see the games. be interesting to see, obviously, the first, uh, well, the first the play-in and then into the round, opening round. That'll be, uh, I would guess, maybe triple headers a day. Yeah, then, it might be triple headers. Then it'll maybe turn into double headers. Um, and, then, and then, of course, you're going to have the conference finals all in Edmonton, uh, you know, unofficially, but I would think official pretty soon. So tons and tons of hockey. And I think we're all, from our standpoint, Reed, you're figuring, okay, what can you what can you do? Are you in the bubble? Are you out of the bubble? Are you partially in the bubble? Um, as rights holders, we're, we're trying to figure that out. Do you know if you can get in the building, Reed, or not? Well, what, it sounds like from what I read today, the Phase 3 document says that media could go cover those practices. 
Oh, yes, yeah. Uh, But we'd have to be spaced out and wear masks, and it would still be Zoom or Skype availabilities. And then for phase four, it it sounds like someone like me wouldn't be going into the building for practices, for games, or for anything. So that's fine. Rob and I would do it like we do road games. We'd sit in the 630 Jet Studio and do it. Yeah, and I think for myself, I mean, I'm here, so there's some geographical advantage. But I, I think, I mean... You know, not to be uh, uh, an accountant here, but if I'm here, I, I think what you'd want me to be is either in the partial bubble or outside the bubble because I can eat at home, I can sleep at home, uh, no hotel, no per diem. You can bring someone else in to maybe go in the bubble. Uh, you don't want to. You don't want to. I think fly someone out here, pay for hotel, pay for per diem, have them outside the bubble. That that would seem like well, right. hang on a sec, right? But, yeah, very limited. I mean, I, I, I know that we're pitching to have uh, an analyst and a play-by-play, uh, you know, on site. We have to see here what the NHL is going to going to allow, and, and will it change, you know, maybe on July 30th or August 1st, they're not ready for that. But maybe by the conference finals, things are much better or things have changed or, you know, whatever, less people, less teams, maybe then they are okay with it. So lots lots of questions, a few answers, and I think a few more will will develop. My guess will be, and we've also heard that, okay, Reed, Gene, Mark Spector, uh, Adam Cook from CTV, picking four names. You guys get to go in. You go in this door. You sit in this area. You social distance. Game's over. You leave out that door, and you take off. And you can yeah. do that for the games, and that allows you some, some visual to go with, like you said, all the Zoom interviews. So I, I'm, I'm kind of, you know, torn. It'd be neat to be in the bubble, uh, but that is a, that is a long bubble. Um, it, it would still be fun to, to have some access. And you know what, Reid? I, I think it's just going to be fun to be around it. And if that means being outside the building, so be it. I, I think it'll still be enjoyable. It, it's never going to be like... We'll just take 06, for example, a full building, uh, you know, the, the scoreboard, right. everything that goes with it. No, it's not that. But after this break and pandemic, I think we'll all enjoy just being back either really close to hockey or relatively close to hockey. Gene, always enjoy having you on the show. We'll get you on again in the next uh, week or two for a full-length appearance. This was just the teaser. Thanks for checking in, man. I appreciate it, and I'll answer the phone next time. (laughs) That is one of my favorites, Gene Principe from Sportsnet, joining us on Inside Sports. Quick timeout for the 7.30 News. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chad. All right, good to have you tuning in tonight. Baseball schedule. Blue Jays will open at Tampa Bay on July 24th. There will be two games to start the season on July 23rd. Yankees at Nationals, Giants at Dodgers. Patrick Mahomes, contract extension. 10 years, $503 million. He'll be a chief through 2031. And the NHL phase three, one week from today, teams will start training camps in their home cities. Maximum of 30 skaters, unlimited number of goaltenders. Phase four competition, August 1st for the qualifying rounds. Now, it's not officially official Toronto and Edmonton, but that's what we're looking at as the Board of Governors and the Players Association will now ratify the tentative agreements. 
And uh, the CBA extended through 2026 and also NHL players likely going back to the Olympics in 2022 and 2026. Some of your headlines today. Reed Wilkins with you inside sports on 630 Chet. Appreciate your feedback. 780-496-0063. Uh, Troy, I got your text of a very funny golf video and you're right. We can't, we can't play that audio online, but it did, did make me laugh during the news break. Uh, Mick Mac Paddywhack says, Reed, how come you're talking about golf? That's outside sport and you are clearly inside sports. Well, that's pretty clever. Eh, Callum? I like that one. Wow. <laughs> pretty good. I love it. Yeah. I like that. Got to get out to golfing this week. I wasn't able to play last week. Okay, well, it's. I mean, look, if you listen to this show with any regularity, and I know there are 14 of you who do, we uh, we like having some fun sometimes, and, and we never know where a story idea or a guest idea is going to come from. So somebody uh, texted in about Cam Moon, who is the play-by-play voice of the Red Deer Rebels, that he was uh, a commentator for the Wetaskiwin Iceman junior B team while Cam was going to Nate. So Cam came on on Friday and talked about that point in his career and told some stories. And he brought up the name Rob Hartnell. And he said, I bet you Rob would come on your show because he's been involved with the Iceman and he had an incredible uh, playing career in a variety of locales. So I I got Rob Hartnell's phone number earlier today and I uh, politely asked him to come on the show. Well, maybe I was a little more direct than that, Rob, but uh, we have indeed wrangled you for Inside Sports. Thanks to your good buddy, Cam Moon. How are you doing? I'm doing good, Reed. How are you? I'm doing very well. So what now are you, uh, were you with the Iceman still this past season, or, had, or have you stepped away? What's no, the deal I there? stepped away this last season, but the, pr- the previous five, I was with the Iceman. All right. So, what was it, what was it like for you being involved in uh, in junior B hockey? I mean, it's not a it's not a glitz and glamour it's not a glitz no. and glamour league. But what was it like for you? It was when I started. It was just something that I you know after playing in, like in the Western League. It's just you got to really dial it down. Like these guys work and go to school and. They can come up with a million excuses not to practice. You just, you, you know, you had to find a core group of guys that were willing to, you know, to, to, to drive in bad weather on a Tuesday night for practice or, you know, you know, get home from a 12-hour shift and still put their gear on. So it was a, it was a battle that way. The first year was very trying, but we, you know, we learned and, and we had to adjust. I could, you know, I couldn't hold people to those standards. And then we just found a happy medium and, and we had lots of success after that first year. Uh, and this is obviously in the Capital Junior League, and you're going to have to help me out here. Like I used to cover the Northeastern Alberta Junior B League, but I've been gone from Lloyd for for, for 13 years. I mean, are, is it a lot of what task when kids who go on to play Junior B in their hometowns? Do you do a little bit of recruiting? How do you get players? Well, you know, we did we did lots of recruiting, and we you know we run a, we ran an organization very similar to a tier two organization where. Uh, I mean, up in the city, when you play junior B, you have to pay to play. Where we were a non-pay to play, and we actually, you know, we we could provide a couple sticks and and some gas money to get players here. So, we, no, we had players from Old Drayton Valley. So, we, no, we recruited hard, especially that first year. We spent a lot of time watching midget double A. We weren't wasting our time really with with midget triple A because all those players are going to junior automatically in their minds. Right. But we found some real diamonds in the rough in double A guys that maybe played school sports and didn't want to go to triple A. And these guys are, I mean, they could have played triple A, no problem. So we did a great job recruiting too. And then, and then once you build that core team, 
Uh, I mean, we landed Ben Fontaine in the second year out of the uh, out of the AJ hometown boy, and you know he basically took over and and, and, and just put put the program in the right direction. Yeah, uh, yeah, interesting stuff. And, and I mean, I I hear what you're saying a lot from you know about finding players because I had those types of conversations with junior B coaches and managers when when I was covering that league. And and sometimes you you get the right players in place, and then you might be able to to go on a roll for a few years because, like you said, you're, you're kind of building a program. Um, in, in terms of just, I mean, and you you played pro, and we're we're going to get into that. And you sort of touched on it, but I did find that interesting. Like, if you have kids from 16 to 20, I mean, in in that age range, you have so many young men at different stages in their life, I would assume, even though it's just a four-year span, and maybe questioning how much time they're going to spend on hockey, right? So you have to deal with all those kinds of things, too. Right. It's a real balancing act, and you have to be patient as a coach. You know what I mean? It's not like West Wing. Everybody's at practice, and, you know, you you ran some 10-person practices, and, you know, you just – I basically found a way to, to, to make them believe – like, for example, it's a Friday – in the Capital League, it's a Friday-Sunday league. I call it the church league. They don't allow us to play on Saturday nights. So I, with my team, I said, listen, you guys want to socialize. How about we win Friday night? And I said, you're free to go. Saturday night, we'll just cap off. You know, we have a midnight curfew, and away we go. I honestly think we lost two Friday nights in four years. Really? Well, these kids don't want to lose Friday night. They want to give her. Right. So these guys That's didn't lose. So I, I basically tricked them. Then I would say, we're heading to the playoffs. And I, I said, hey, how about we try a two-drink limit here for six weeks? And I said, what? If we win this championship, you guys, you, you'll rock star for two months. And they bought in. They said, okay, we can do that. And that's all it was, was just getting to buy in. And I'm not saying 25 guys bought in, but the majority and the right guys bought in. Right. Yeah, which makes all the difference. So Rob Hartnell joining us at Inside Sports. Uh, are the games still on the radio in Wetaskiwin? No, it, no, it, it, they haven't been. Well, not since I returned in 06. They okay. weren't on then. So. All right. But. So tell, tell me your Cam Moon story. How do you know Cam? I want, your, I want your version. <laughs> My version is invited up to Cold Lake to work a hockey school. Johnny O'Gronick and hockey school. I think I cruise through Edmonton. I grab Tyler Wright, and we're heading up to Cold Lake. When we get there, I get my room assignment. because it's Cam Moon. So I crack the door, and here's this bean pole, 120 pounds. And it, honestly, it was like stepbrothers. It just instantly, I think we embraced and from that point, we've been like we're just we're on the same way. We have so much fun together, and it was just an absolute blast up there. So, and then of course we played against each other, and then we've kept in contact ever since. It was just one well, of those guys that you just mesh with just instantly. Well, he's a great guy, and I always love having him on the show. And, and I'm glad he uh, he, he brought us uh, together for a segment tonight. So let's—I don't know where to begin with some elements of your career, but Cam texted me the cover of a book by Jason Cohen, Zamboni Rodeo: Life on the Road with Hockey's Austin I- Ice Bats. So did this, and I, and I believe you're the player pictured on the cover. So did this author yeah. follow you guys around in '97, '98? He did. He spent the whole year with us on the bus, in the bars, in the hotels, everywhere we went, he was. 
And it was a, and, you know, it was a pre- pretty unique experience, cause, you know, because I think back then he, he might have even been doing some writing for the Rolling Stone. Just a, a real good writer and, and, and a good guy. But, you know, you'd forget he was there. So you got used to opening up around him then and, and, and sharing things with Because the player-media relationship... And it's evolved over the years too, but it's you know it's it's professional and guys can be guarded. Did that barrier come down with him? Well, it did. I think after time you just forgot that he was there. You know, he'd be sitting in the corner of the bar watching us or in the hotel lobby or you know what I mean. So you just got used to him being around. And he was like one of the guys. He was a really good guy. He was. And when the know, book- I can remember he would get us in a. He was, he was really connected to the music scene in Austin. You know, and this is back in the when. Kind of that grunge, that Seven Mary Three, and all those Canadian right. bands where we're getting really big, and he'd get us backstage, and we'd be on the bus with these guys. Like it was incredible what he did for us. So okay, so I, life as an Austin Ice Bat. This was the WPHL. Uh, you had a decent season, thirty-nine points in sixty games. You protected your teammates with over two hundred penalty minutes, which is important. Uh, what, what what was it like being a pro hockey player in Austin, Texas? Well, number one, that league was very new. That might have been year two. So, it, to be honest with you, they didn't understand anything about hockey. The arena was packed. They stood the whole game and cheered no matter what happened. Win, lose, draw, they were they were loving life. Um, as an Austin Ice Bat around town, I mean, we golf for free. I mean, the weather is beautiful. So, I mean, like a typical day would be a 10 o'clock practice. Work out, grab a snack, go golf afternoon, and then we'd head out on the town. There was such a great music scene there. We were we were very fortunate, and just the timing of it, you know, and being able to get into all these venues. It's a it's a really alternative city and, and young city, so it was it was a lot of fun. Well, I wanted to ask you about that because it has that reputation now as you know a festival city and music, and I know a lot of. Uh, uh, what's the film festival? South by Southwest. Uh, I mean, yeah. I know Edmontonians that, that go down there, and it might have a similar, uh, like, fringe vibe with Edmonton having, right? Like, yeah. it has a bit of that culture. Was that already in place? Yeah, you know what it was. And I, I think it was just developing and getting bigger and bigger. But, we, I mean, we'd see these bands in very small venues, and nobody had heard of them, you know. I mean, as Canadians, you know, half of them three quarters of the team at least was Canadian. So we'd have piled in there and love and life and hanging out with these guys. So for us, it was, a, you know, it was just, a, it was a cool time, you know, in, in that time. I, I got to ask you, uh, Rob, Rob Hartnell joining us tonight on, on Inside Sports. So, you know, you played in the Western Hockey League, Lethbridge, finished off with Tri-City, and I'm looking at your, your, your Hockey DB page, and I've, you know, I've done dozens of interviews with players who went through this like you did, and you guys all often have the, the best stories. And quite frankly, I think you also are the most dogged and determined people who show a lot of perseverance because you change teams almost every year or two. Like, that can't be easy. No matter no, where it, what. it wasn't easy. I was. I, I'm just blessed that I can fit in wherever I go. But I know just for various reasons in Lethbridge, I asked to be moved. I, uh, at that point, it just it was a, a conflict with me and the coach. So I'd asked to be moved, and I got moved to Tri Cities and played under Paul McCann and learned lots. Loved it. It was a great move. In the East Coast League, you're moved around lots. I was always a free agent, other than my first years there. I signed an IHL deal on a two-way. So, you know, I was sent down. When I was sent down, I think I spent two weeks up, and they sent me down. And the manager, like, when he signed me, he's like, I don't like small players. 
but the coach likes you, so I'm going to sign you. I'm like, oh, this doesn't sound good, but okay. And I, I sat by the phone for seven years for the call-up. You know what I mean? It just it, it was never going to happen. But, I, I mean, I realized it earlier on, but it just it, – it, it just forced you to, you know, just to realize where I was going to play. I mean, I couldn't, I, I mean, I, I guess I could have, I was, you know, some of those leagues I led scoring in, Yeah. but I just, I, I could never get called up. There would be guys around me getting called up, but again, what's, I was two inches for being in the cast of Willow too. So <laughs> well, what size did you play at? <laughs> well, in the stat book, probably five, nine, but in reality, probably five, seven. Okay. I counted I love, I love, I, I, tippy toes when I did. Yeah, I can even remember when Central Scouting would come weigh us. I'd, I'd hang two 20 pound uh, weights in my underwear. Really? And at 189 when I was really 169. Oh, jeez. That's amazing. And I was yeah. laughing at the Willow reference. That's a great movie reference, by the <laughs> oh, way. Yeah. Not too many guys remember that movie. Uh, what about your brief? Well, maybe it wasn't so brief. Did you go to that British Hockey League? Where was that? I did. I, in, I went it, in Christmas. And I was in Dumfries, Scotland. Career-wise, at that time in my life, obviously I was played my three years in the coast, and I was pigeonholed into a third-line role, coming from the Western League, where as a first-liner, so I was scrapping, just doing anything just to survive. Then I go over to Scotland, and I'm playing 55 minutes a game. And scoring and just, I mean, just scoring in bunches. You played almost the entire game? It was, honestly, I would play eight-minute shifts. Oh, jeez. I remember my first shift there, I went out and just started corking people. I mean, flattening them. And I come off, you know, 45 seconds. Coach is like, do not waste your energy hitting people, please. <laughs> yeah. And because back then, I think there was only, there was me, Craig Lyons, Maybe one other Canadian, and the rest were, were were Brits. We didn't have a choice. We had to play. And it was awesome. Like, I mean, I loved it. We only played two games a week, practiced twice. So, I mean, it wasn't it wasn't taxing. But for confidence, when I came back from that, and then I, I didn't go back to the ECHL, that's when the Southern Pro started up. Or no, the, the what was it called? The WPHL. Right. I went there and got back into my first line role. In fact, I think for a while there, I even led you know led the league in points. I just I had lots of confidence again. And then yeah, it's, well, just, it's a lot more fun when you're playing a first line role versus a third. Especially looking in the at the cold. stats, I'm looking at the stats from that Dumfries team. So you so you joined. In, uh, late in the season. So you had 57 yep. points in 14 games. Incredible. Craig Lyons had 216 points in 51 games. And how about this? He had exactly 108 goals and 108 assists. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, it's amazing. Amazing. And he, he didn't lead the league, I don't think. What if like, I, can I think find guys the like stats. Brad Rubichuk and them guys even had more points than that. Brad Rubichuk had 124 goals and 251 points. Yeah. So. So the Canadian guys just got to play. They're almost like basketball players. You played 90% of the game. Like right. how, like, like LeBron will come off for two minutes at the end of the first quarter, and then he's Basically, back out there. Yeah, and you couldn't take you couldn't afford to take a penalty or do anything oh, dumb. So, you know, it was good that way, like, for confidence, for sure. For, you know, and, and you know what? We were actually, you're paid pretty decent over there. So you're, you're making more money. The, the problem is it's 19, I think it was 95. 
so it wasn't the hockey. The hockey was fun and great, but practicing twice a week, we practiced it like 10 at night. So basically you had the whole week off. And you're jammed in a apartment that might be 100 square feet watching Crosby reruns and telling people back home, you got to set a time to call them because you got to rip down to the payphone. It's, it's, you know, it's pre-cell phone, oh, right. pre-iPad. So, I mean, I can remember getting off the plane and just collapsing, grabbing a hockey news and a Harvey's burger and its fetal position in the Calgary airport. I was so, so happy to be home. Rob, we're going to have to do this again because we, we only covered about uh, 5% of your, of your pro career, and I know you have more stories to tell, but thanks to being open to doing this and uh, and uh, having an incredible career, and good for you for everything you did with Junior B and with Tasklin as well. Let's keep in touch, okay? I, I appreciate you having me on. That is Rob Hartnell checking in tonight. So, uh, yeah, he played in the ECHL. The WPHL was telling you about his time with the Dumfries Border Vikings in the British Hockey League. I used to cover the uh, Lloydminster Border Kings, but these were the Border Vikings. And thanks to Cam Moon for the connection with Rob. We'll have to do that again. Inside Sports on 630 Chet. All right, that was a blast to have Rob Hartnell on the show. You also heard from Gene Principe tonight, Blake Dermott as well. Blake and I talked about Patrick Mahomes' contract extension, $503 million over 10 years. So he does have to budget. He's not getting it all at once. He's got to spread that out over 10 years to make it work. The NHL now in the process of ratifying the return-to-play protocol for Phases 3 and 4 and a CBA extension that would run through the summer of 2026 and that should be ratified uh, hopefully later this week and then they'll finally officially announce Edmonton and Toronto as the hubs. Don't forget Bob Stoffer has Oilers now from noon to 2 tomorrow. I'm back at 6 o'clock tomorrow night. That's right, we are back to 2 hours now. Regular time 6 to 8 on Inside Sports. The producer of the show is Dave Campbell. Your studio producer this evening is Kellen Kennedy. My name's Reed. Take care. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.